hate you! Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you just kiss my left nut? I told you this was a bad idea. I earned those miles! Yeah, you earned them flying to Denver to meet your whore. Oh, Lord. Well, she's not afraid to express herself sexually, if that's what you mean. She is a stripper, for God's sake. She is not! Her name is Chastity. She is white trash. Same as you. Ill, Billy. That's it. Go comatose for me, baby. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. These are just semantics. If you guys want to throw a couple miles at us, we'll take a couple. The big thing is, is that we're all moving on. Could you two just not talk anymore? Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you so much for joining me. And be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album so that you can keep posted on future episodes going forward. Well, you know what? We've only got one more episode left after this. And then immediately after next week's episode, the week after is the three-part season finale, which, as you have known for the last few weeks, is going to be dedicated entirely to the discography of Minneapolis's own Prince. I am excited for this one. It's been really... Uh, it's been interesting to go through all those albums over the last uh, several years. And honestly, fun fact about this Prince episode that's coming up in a couple weeks, this the, listening to Prince's albums and ranking them was what inspired me to do this podcast in the first place. So with that, and also because I'm a nerd and have been ranking discographies for the last several years. So why keep them myself when I can share them all with people like you listening? So for those of you who are listening and have been listening for the last year and a half, thank you so much for continuing to do so. Be sure to tell all your friends about this podcast if you haven't already. So we've got, uh, well, this week's episode, as you know from the title, it is dedicated to Dwight Yoakam. Uh, next week, I'll be tackling the monkeys, and then immediately after that will be the three-part episode about Prince. Now, what's going to happen come November and December? Well, I will let you know right off the bat, there won't be regular episode, regular weekly episodes. Uh, I do intend, however, sometime in November to do an episode which I call I Fucked Up. What that means is uh, there's been some lists that I prematurely posted on here that I believe that uh, happened right after, well, before new albums had come out or not realizing that a band or an act had uh, put out an album or reissued an album beforehand that just missed my radar. So instead of doing an episode all over again, talking about the history of the bands, uh, the, expect this episode to be uh, updated lists for you. Well, I, if you will, I, don't see it being a long-ass episode, so you don't have to worry about that, but just basically uh, need-to-know basis. And that's pretty much going to happen sometime in November. Uh, as for the month of December goes, 
I will be doing a best, I'll be, I'll be doing a best albums of 2021 because let's be honest, there have been some damn good albums that came out this year. I was really surprised. So the month of November, I'll be focused on figuring out what's going to go into my Rand Dozen and my lovely wife and show producer JC is also going to be working on her list. She's going to make, she told me she's going to make damn sure that she's going to have a Rand Dozen for you when we do our best of. That won't be until the end of the year though. Uh, I'm also going to do a worst albums, which is going to be a half Rand Dozen. So I do have six shitty albums to share with you. Uh, in December. I'd like to do a holiday episode as well. I'm keeping the fingers crossed I can get that done. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do yet, but I'll make, I will let you know there will be a holiday episode. I, I plan on it. As far as best songs go, I haven't really thought of that yet. I may not do that, but you can at least be reassured that in the month of December, there will be a worst episode. There will be a holiday episode and there will be a Rand Dozen of 2021. But that's not till December. Uh, let's focus on this week. I am tackling country singer Dwight, country singer and actor Dwight Yoakam uh, for this week's episode. So without further ado, I know you want, you're chomping at the bit to see where I rank from the bottom to the top. And he's got 16 albums. Hold on. Hold on. I know there's going to be a few of you there wondering. No, he's got more than that. As you know, I do not include greatest hits collections. I do not include live albums, although Dwight Live's a damn good album. Check it out. And I don't count, uh, let's see, I'm not counting Christmas albums. Nothing has come on Christmas. I just don't count Christmas albums when I do the lists. And he has had a few covers albums, and those are good too. Uh, I'm only going to be putting two of those on there because those are technically listed as official studio albums for radio airplay and whatnot. And another controversial selection, uh, controversial decision I made aside from adding only two covers albums to my list, DwightYoakumAcoustic.net is not going to be included on this list. So just so you know, that's not going to be included. I'm including studio albums with a couple of covers uh, albums for the reasons that they were listed as official studio albums for radio airplay and what have you. So I think you'll be shocked but surprised what I have on this list and what I've decided on. Uh, so I am only counting 16 from the list of Dwight Yoakam albums. I know he's put out more, but 16 are going to be accounted for in this week's episode. So before I do that, brief history and some fun facts about Dwight Yoakam. Let's get to it. Born on October 23rd, 1956 in Pikeville, Kentucky, raised in Columbus, Ohio, Dwight David Yoakam is an American singer, songwriter, musician, and actor, known for his pioneering style of country music. First becoming popular in the mid-80s, Yoakam has recorded more than 20 albums and compilations, charted more than 30 singles on the Billboard Hot Country Songs charts, and sold more than 30 million records. He has also recorded five Billboard number one albums, 
12 gold albums and 9 platinum albums, including the triple platinum this time. In addition to his many achievements in the performing arts, he is also the most frequent musical guest in the history of The Tonight Show. Yoakum has also starred in many films, most notably as the ill-tempered, abusive live-in boyfriend in Sling Blade from 1996, and as a psychopathic killer in Panic Room in 2002, just to name a few. He also appeared in a supporting role as Doc Miles, the doctor for Chev Chelios, in the Crank movies Crank and Crank High Voltage. Yoakum has also had cameo appearances in the 2005 film Wedding Crashers, which you heard earlier in the show, as well as 2006's Western Banditas, and in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, his song Guitar is Cadillacs was played in the background of the opening bar scene. In 2000, Yoakum co-wrote, starred in, produced, wrote, and directed South of Heaven, West of Hell, which starred one of his closest friends, Vince Vaughn, and Bridget Fonda. Yoakum has also ventured into the food industry as his brand Bakersfield Biscuits is available now in retailers such as Walmart. On April 26, 2018, Sirius XM launched a new channel, Dwight Yoakum and the Bakersfield Beat. It features music from Southern California that focuses on and influences the Bakersfield sound. In late 2010, Dwight Yoakam began dating a photographer named Emily Joyce. They became engaged in 2011 and married in a small ceremony in Santa Monica, California on March 2020. Their son, Dalton Lauren Yoakam, was born on August 16, 2020. And now that you know a little bit about Dwight Yoakam, you know what you came here for. It's time to get to ranking. you know it right off the bat i'm not only going to talk about his albums but we're going to start things off with a little bit of his movie career that's just the way it worked out folks so with that said coming in at number 16 from 2001 dwight yoakam's pet project which consisted of both a movie and an album south of heaven west of hell this would be the 12th album of Dwight's career and also the first soundtrack album of Dwight Yoakam's. The motion picture, which is also of the same name, starred Dwight Yoakam, who also co-wrote and directed the film. I mentioned in the history that he was the producer, but looking at the credits for that, uh, he didn't have producer credit, but he did write it, co-wrote it, or co-write it, I should say. Uh, this isn't a spelling competition, directed and starred in it. Dwight Yoakam portrays a lawman of the early 1900s in the wild west of the Arizona Territory. It co-starred a huge assortment of famous actors, including Peter Fonda, his daughter Bridget Fonda, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman to most of you, Warren Zevon, and two of his closest friends, Vince Vaughn, 
and Billy Bob Thornton. And I'll talk about Yoakum's relationship with Billy Bob Thornton in just a bit. Now, surprise, surprise. Look, folks, every time I record a podcast and do my research, do my rankings, I want to make sure that these podcasts are as honest as humanly possible. So I'm going to be brutally honest when I tell you I have never seen this movie. I don't know anyone who has seen this movie. I don't know anyone who sells or rents this movie. It's not even in the $5 bin at most retail outlets. And if you're trying to save a couple of bucks like most of us are, I don't know any libraries that have this available to check out. But from what I have heard about this movie, it's not that good of a film. In fact, I believe the most recent score in Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 26% rotten rating. So it goes without saying, I I can't say Dwight Yoakam's not a very good screenwriter because I haven't seen the movie. I know Yoakam's a damn good actor, but I can't say anything about South of Heaven, West of Hell because I've never seen it. But if I'm being brutally honest here still, I don't think I'm missing much. My apologies to Dwight Yoakam and the fan base. I mean, I do consider myself a Dwight Yoakam fan. I probably won't bother seeing South of Heaven, West of Hell. If you if you're listening to this podcast and you've seen this movie, please let me know. Leave a message on the Anchor website. Comment on my Instagram page. Send me a DM if it's worth watching or not. Because from the sounds of it, I don't think I'm missing anything. As far as the soundtrack album goes, it plays snippets from the movie in between uh songs on here and i can honestly say much like the movie the soundtrack was pretty much the end of his of the mainstream success of dwight yoakam for a very long time um i don't have any intention of seeing the movie i don't think i have any intention of ever listening to the soundtrack again because unlike most dwight yoakam albums the songs on South of Heaven, West of Hell are just mm, okay. Where he shall cherish in his name, those who perish and his grace will everlasting Even a song like The Last Surrender is nothing to write home about. I sincerely apologize for that because it's really hard to find a good standout track on this album. I mean, I wanted to like songs like Words or Tears for Two or The First Thing Smokin', which he co-wrote with Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top fame. At What's Left of Me, which he co-wrote with Mick Jagger? How is that a disappointment? Well, believe it or not, it was a disappointment. I don't really have much else to talk about as far as this album goes. And speaking of albums, I don't really have much to talk about. Remember when I said I was going to be very lenient as far as covers albums are concerned? Well, these next two albums at number 15 and number 14, respectively, are covers albums. And my pick for number 15 is the one he put out in 1997. 
And this was considered an official studio album, number seven to be exact, Under the Covers. You peaked at number eight on the Billboard Country Albums charts, 92 on the Billboard 200. It really, there weren't really any big hits off the album, and it's not bad. He does a very faithful job on a good chunk of these tunes. His take on Train in Vain, the Clash song, that was decent. Tired of Waiting for You, I expected a little more, but just wasn't getting there. Uh, the duet with Cheryl Crow, the Sonny and Cher number, Baby Don't Go, Wichita Lineman, one of the best country songs of all time. But unfortunately, I've heard far superior versions of this song that this one was kind of a letdown. And if you ask me, the best cover of Wichita Lineman is still Wade Hayes. Humble opinion. Uh, the last time could have been better, the Rolling Stones track. But I think the one I'd have to go with, and this is kind of a cop-out, I apologize. This was the first single off of it, going as high as number 47. His take on Roy Orbison's Claudette. Can I see it Again, it's not that he did a bad job on these songs. He did as faithful as he possibly could, even making a couple of those songs sound like Dwight Yoakam originals. But at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't really do much for me. And it's not really one I gravitate towards when I want to hear Dwight Yoakam. And much like the album I have at number 14 is his most recent album, and by most recent, it came out in 2016. So, yeah, the last time Dwight Yoakam released a new album, I got engaged. So, there you go. Uh, swimming pools, movie stars, no Beverly Hillbillies were included in this album. Just saying. Uh, when I first listened to it, I was wondering why the songs had sounded familiar, and then I remembered why. Because these are new twists on his old tracks from past albums. Again, uh, I go by the adage of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, the only highlight on here that I could think of that was worth playing for you is, honestly, I think this was a last-minute addition here. I'm talking about his cover of Purple Rain. Because Prince had passed away in April 2016. And I believe Purple Rain, I know he had recorded it and uploaded it on his YouTube page and his and was exclusive to Sirius XM. And it did get an interesting uh, critical review. I mean, some people liked it, some people didn't. Uh, the only thing I could say about his take on Purple Rain is at least it was better than Leanne Rimes' version from 1998. Yes, Leanne Rimes did a version of Purple Rain, and it is still the most bizarre thing I had ever heard. Dwight Yoakam, uh, it, it wasn't bad. Wanted to see you laughing in the purple rain, purple rain, purple rain. Rain, purple rain. 
you know, when you get right down to it, I mean, Dwight Yoakam, I do like a good chunk of his covers. I liked his version of Suspicious Minds. I liked his versions of Honky Talk Man and Always Late With Your Kisses. He did the country classics justice. But at this point, kind of want something a little more, more than just covers, you know? And I, I don't know if he's putting out a new album at this time. I hope he is in the process of making a new album or is releasing a new one, but I don't have that information, unfortunately. So until I hear anything, Swimming Pools, Movie Stars is his most recent album. I don't really have much else to add to that. So we're just going to move right along and go back to the year 2000. He released two albums that year. One was DwightYokerMacoustic.net, which is acoustic versions of old tunes. I'm not including that on the list, but I definitely will admit it's a damn good album. I, I don't, I mean, South of Heaven, West of Hell being the exception, there's really no such thing as a bad Dwight Yoakam album. I just prefer certain albums more than others. And I'm sure those of you who are listening feel the same way. So uh, the second album that I'm talking about and the one I have on the list, I have at number 13 from Halloween of 2000, Tomorrow Sounds Today, the 11th album of his career. It got as high as number seven on the Billboard country charts and number 68 on the Billboard 200 charts, which honestly, that kind of sounds fair because Halloween 2000 was pretty much one of those examples of Super Tuesdays when everybody famous and well-known puts out an album that a certain day and October 31st. Tomorrow Sounds Today was up against All That You Can't Leave Behind by U2, Awake by Godsmack, uh, Last Man Standing, which was a B-Sides Rarities album unofficially released by Death Row Records. That was uh, old Snoop Doggy Dog tracks. That was an interesting one. Uh, Jay-Z released uh, La Familia, Rock La Familia. Uh, let's see what else it come. Oh, uh, Stankonia by Outcast. That was another classic I'm going to come out. And because I can't leave anybody out, despite the fact I'm not the biggest fan, uh, in St. Clown Posse put out a double album that week, uh, that day too. Uh, Bizarre, Bizarre, I think it was what it was called. But uh, yeah, so there was clearly a shit ton of albums released on Halloween 2000. And Tomorrow Sounds Today is one of them. It, it's a fun one. I really liked his cover of Cheap Tricks, I Want You to Want Me. That, that was cute. And naturally, that uh, did get a, lot, get a lot of radio airplay, despite going as high as number 49. There's a track that I'm going to play a little bit later on the show uh, on here called Dreams of Clay which is an upbeat track that about him uh, having these dreams of being successful and then it just turns out it was just a pipe dream or in this case a dream of clay uh, 
he would re-record that for a later album. I'm going to play that in a little bit later. But the, I think the song I'm going to go with, it was a tough call between uh, the three Buck Owens duets or the final top 40 hit of his career, What Do You Know About Love? And my apologies to Buck Owens, RIP, love your music and all, but I went with What Do You Know About Love? Another heart that would know and it seems like yours just mine. Hey baby, what do you know about it? first blush, honey? What do you know about the cut of a rush? But as you know, there's method to my madness, which you'll find out as to why I opted not to do a buck duet here. Uh, Let's see, Love Caught Up to Me was a good song on here. The Sad Side of Town was good. I'm sorry, uh, there were only two Buck duets. Uh, du Sad Side of Town was one that Yoakum and Owens wrote together. Uh, For Love's Sake was a good good track. Heartaches Are Free was your standard sad Dwight Yoakum tune. Uh, All Right, I'm Wrong, I Was There. Definitely a solid album. And yet, I have it at number 13 because, again, I gravitate towards more, towards certain Dwight Yoakam albums more than I do others. But I'm not going to leave Buck in the dust because coming right up at number 12 is the final covers album, I promise, that I have on this list. And it just seemed appropriate. Album number 17 of his career. Uh, but officially, uh, with 16 albums, this one was considered an official release. So I believe with Blame the Vein being his, uh, that would be his uh, 13th album overall as far as official goes. Sorry, I'm just, uh, it's off the tip of my tongue. It's hard to keep track of these because he's put out so many damn good albums and a lot, uh, almost 30 albums total, but certain ones are official, and that's what I'm sticking with. Dwight Sings Buck is the official one. It was released on his Yoakum's 51st birthday, October 23rd, 2007, and I cannot think of a more solid tribute to Dwight Yoakum than what Dwight did, and props. And you know what? Honestly... This was also hard to determine which track to go with. I could have gone with My Heart Skips a Beat. I could have gone with Act Naturally. I could have gone with Above and Beyond. I could have even gone with the uh, sole single and video for it, Close Up the Honky Tonks, which, say what you will about Fred Durst, he directs some damn good music videos, and the video for Close Up the Honky Tonks was no exception. But I think the one that really stood out to me was Love's Gonna Live Here. Things are gonna be the way they were before. Love's gonna live here again. Rest in peace, Buck Owens. Dwight Yoakam, you did a damn good job with these Owens tunes. You should be proud. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, 
let's just keep on rolling. We're at the number 11 spot. And doing the math as I was taking a little breather, I realized, I mean, he has put out a ton of albums, as I've said before. And if you're really keeping track of all the albums he's put out, this album is the 16th album that was released by Dwight Yoakam. But technically, this is actually officially, as far as radio is concerned, his 12th album. Dwight Sings Buck was the 13th album of his career. Blame the Vein is the 12th of his career, and it is my 11th favorite Dwight Yoakam album. And that's really tough to admit here because it's damn good. Uh, this would be the first time that Dwight Yoakam would produce an album solo. This would not include any production from his longtime pal and producer, Pete Anderson, who would produce many a Yoakam album. And it's a really good one, too. It was released in 2005. And wow, I don't understand why this didn't do so hot on radio because... The track list speaks for itself here. Got four stars from all music, but the title track is very good. Uh, does it show three good reasons? She'll remember the last heart and line. Oh my God. In a perfect world, this would have had at least a few top 10 singles off of it. If I was in charge of country radio, this album would have been played to death in 05. I'm trying to think what was... Uh, played in 2005 that, uh, well, I can't really knock Craig Morgan's That's What I Love About a Sunday. Or no, that wasn't 2005, was it? No, it's neither here nor there. We're not talking about Craig Morgan this week. Uh, and there were a couple of videos that Yoakam also directed. So at least he improved on his, uh, fil on his uh, film directing skills or video directing skills, as it were. <laughs> But I think I have to go with my personal favorite song on the album being the absolutely bitter as all hell, Intentional Heartache. We can all relate to that one at some point, right, folks? She drove up across the yard and through his mama's garden. Didn't touch the brakes, slammed right into his Chevrolet. It really didn't get any more straightforward country than Blame the Vein in 2005. This is seriously one of the most underrated country albums of the decade. And I believe it around that time, George Strait had put out Somewhere Down in Texas. I could be wrong. No, I, th I think it was Somewhere Down in Texas. So that was a good one, too. But Blame the Van, I think, was my favorite country album of 2005. It really delivered, and I found myself listening to a lot more Dwight Yoakam from 2003 to 2007, around that time frame. So between Population Me and Dwight Sings Buck. So I've been listening a lot more uh, later, Dwight Yoakam, obviously, as well as his... his Unfortunately, now out of print box set reprise, please, baby. That one, if, if you own a copy of that, you have my respect. And I, I wish I could say the same about 
by having a copy because I listened to it. The joys of libraries having a shit ton for you to check out back in the day and then it just disappeared. I always regretted not uh, buying a copy. You know, what can you do? But I was listening to a lot of Dwight Yoakam around the time frame, 2003 to 2007. He's definitely one of the all-time greats, and Blame the Vein is definitely one of the all-time great country albums of the 2000s. And the, like I said, the title track, Intentional Heartache, are great. There are some really good ones that didn't get released as singles, like She'll Remember and Last Heart in Line. If you've never heard this one, I really suggest you do. It's one of the, it is pure country at its finest for 2005. And with that said, we are now in the top 10, my top 10 list. And coming in at number 10 is Secondhand Heart from 2015. And I do have a personal story as far as this album is concerned. Now, my partner at the time, girlfriend, partner, however you want to put it, you know, I was in my 30s calling a woman you're dating your girlfriend is a little, you know, too high schooly because she herself was an adult, I assure you. Uh, much younger than me, but an adult nonetheless. <laughs> but uh, she wasn't the biggest fan of Dwight Yoakam's voice. I get it. He's in, His music and his voice are acquired tastes. I get it. But there was a music festival in Prior Lake, Minnesota that was held annually in the summer called uh, Lakefront Music Fest. One night was dedicated to country music. The other night was dedicated to rock music. And it alternated each year of what day would kick, what music would kick it off. It was a Saturday and Sunday, uh, Friday and Saturday, obviously. Uh, and this year it was the country side that kicked off the event, which was Dwight Yoakam and Rodney Atkins was the opener, the guy that sang, if you're going through hell and watching you, Farmer's Daughter, that guy. He put on a good show, but Dwight Yoakam, he was in his 50s by this point. He wasn't moving around as much like he used to back in the 90s, but he still managed to captivate the audience with his guitar playing ability, his, his voice, and he did the occasional leg shake a la Elvis. So women still loved him too, no matter how old he got. Women really found this guy sexy back in the late 80s, early 90s. And even though he's much older, a little heavier, much balder now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dwight, but it's true. Thank you for still wearing the hat. Uh, the man puts on a good show. He definitely has a great stage presence as much now as he did back when he was uh, dominating country radio in the late 80s, early 90s. But Second Hand Heart was the album that he was promoting. Uh, I talked my wife into going to this show with me because the tickets were for both days. She did say, well, we don't have to go to both nights. I'm like, yeah, but I want to. I mean, she did win out in the sense that on the following Saturday, we got to see Daughtry and Night Ranger and Lita Ford and L.A. Guns. And the less I talk about L.A. Guns, the better. But Dwight Yoakam, I thought, was damn good fun live. And even she had a good time. She's still not the biggest fan of Dwight. But I knew she had a good time. Maybe it was at my expense. Uh, I, I don't know. But as far as the album is concerned, 
it is a very good one and was definitely one of my favorites of 2015. Definitely a lot to choose from here. If you heard the standard version, there were 10 tracks totaling a little over 41 minutes. If you bought it at Target, there was a the deluxe edition had three additional tracks, including a cover of Who'll Stop the Rain. But he took a couple of old songs on here, The Big Time, which would be uh, cut and released on Secondhand Heart. The deluxe edition would have the 1989 demo. So this had not been on any Dwight Yoakam albums at that point. But the one that I'm going to stick with and play, and there are some good ones on here. The title track, In Another World, She, Man of Constant Sorrow, although nothing's ever going to top the Saki Bottom Boys version, so I'm not going to play that. V's of Birds is interesting, but like I said when I was talking about Tomorrow Sounds Today, I'm going to play this version of Dreams of Clay. Unlike the upbeat version from tomorrow sounds today this one is slower two minutes longer and it really tugs at the heartstrings a lot more than the original version did Praying memories don't stay cause baby it looks like our dreams were made of clay I got to give props to Dwight Yoakam being in his now, I want to say third decade of his career. He is still delivering. And even though country radio doesn't play him as much as they did back in the late eighties, early nineties, he really, really still manages to, to deliver a damn good country album. I mean, there are still some of the legends out there still doing well without radio airplay. Alan Jackson, George Street, Reba McIntyre, Tanya Tucker. But Dwight Yoakam always seems to fall under the radar for most people, and I, I want this to stop. Secondhand Heart is definitely one of the best country albums of the decade, maybe one of the best albums of the decade, too. I really recommend this if you never have, and this would be an album that would be on Warner Brothers Records. So he went back to a major label after doing indies for most of the 2000s. So I got to give him props for that, for letting a major label uh, take care of his work. And Dwight Yoakam, along with Chris Lord Alge, were the producers for Secondhand Heart, and it did really well, too. I mean, oh, my God, number 18 on the Billboard 200. That's the all-genre albums chart. Number 18, he was doing something right. Number two on the country albums chart. So, clearly, Dwight Yoakam still has that fan base. He may be under the radar, but I think as far as all the country artists from the late 80s and 90s, when I started listening to him, I think Dwight Yoakam is the most underrated. Yes, I get his voice as an acquired taste, but I don't care. He's underrated, and I think he is one of the best country artists of all time. And we've got a lot more ground to cover, so I'm going to keep on going. Uh, coming in at number nine, his second album from 1987, Hillbilly Deluxe. Not to be confused with the album of the same name by Brooks and Dunn. That was in 05. And oh man, oh man, there are some damn good tracks on here. 
as well. Uh, it's really hard to determine which one to go with because there's the whole album is great. Uh, Little Ways, which was very Buck Owens-ish, you know, you've got your little ways to hurt me. You didn't turn on this podcast to hear me sing and bless you for that. Smoke Along the Track, Please Please Baby, Always Late With Your Kisses, the Lefty Frizzell song. But at the end of the day, his version of Elvis's little sister is iconic. And I dare say, it's better than Elvis's version. Fight me. Hey, I went for some candy, long came from Dandy, and it slipped right out the door. Listen, don't you? Listen, don't you? Yeah, that's right. I said fight me. I like Dwight Yoakam's version of Little Sister more than I do Elvis Presley's version of it. That's my opinion. It's not carved in stone. It's just one man's opinion. Read and Write and Route 23 is a good one. Throughout all time, Thousand Miles, not to be confused with Thousand Miles from Nowhere. This Drinking Will Kill Me. It's just an incredible album from start to finish. And I really wish I could get away with playing the whole album in its entirety, but... You just have to sit, stick with one highlight off of here. It's the cop-out to some people, but Little Sister by Dwight Yoakam, his version is iconic. So with that said, I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to take a break to pay some bills. The top eight, side two, is next. And I'll even talk about an album on here whose lone hit single was written by a guy whose claim to fame was playing the BTK killer. Seriously, you can't make that up. So hang tight. I'll be right back. You believe in the Bible, do you, Carl? Yes, sir, a good deal of it. I can't understand all of it. Well, I can't understand none of it. This is side two. If you want to play the record from the beginning, please turn over. Do not play this side if you want side one. This is side two. Yes, indeed. This is the second half of our look at the discography of Dwight Yoakam, as now we are counting down from numbers eight all the way to number one. So the sound clip that you had heard earlier, that was a clip from him in the movie Sling Blade from 1996, where he played the abusive boyfriend of the female lead, uh, Doyle Hargraves, was his character's name. And honest to God, who'd have thunk it? Dwight Yoakam is a damn good actor. And at the beginning of the show, I, at the beginning of the podcast, I played a clip from Wedding Crashers and with the clip from Sling Blade, but he really has shown he's got some acting chops. Uh, let's see, aside from this movie, his... His first movie was a Nicolas Cage movie, Red Rock West, where he played a truck driver. That was a little-known movie from 1992. But, uh, yeah, from 96 to 2001, when he did South of Heaven, West of Hell, uh, he had some pretty good uh, acting roles. Let's see, Sling Blade, for starters. The Newton Boys, where he played Brentwood Glasscock. Uh, the Minus Man, a thriller starring Owen Wilson. As far as TV standpoints, he was... He was in the uh, now iconic Ellen episode, the puppy episode, where she came out. 
as gay. Uh, he played the bag boy. Okay, that wasn't really a great role for him, but he at, at least with that episode, he was a part of television history. He did have a couple of parts in uh, King of the Hill playing a character named Lane Prattley and a movie I think that was on HBO called When Trumpets Fade and all that took place around 97, 98. The Ellen episode, King of the Hill, When Trumpets Fade, Newton Boys. So where does this all lead as far as his discography goes? Well, naturally he had an album that came out around that year too. So Dwight Yoakam had a pretty busy 1998, if I do say so myself. And my pick for number eight from 1998, A Long Way Home. It only got as high as number 11 on the Billboard Country charts and did manage one top 10, uh, I'm not, even a top, not even a top 10 single, but one, one top 20 single, the underrated Things Change. Forever's a promise no love can survive And trust with heart Just don't apply Just a cup, baby, things change Considering his work from the late 80s to the early 90s, A Long Way Home was kind of a disappointment compared to his last few albums at around that time, but A Long Way Home definitely had some underrated gems to it. Not just the the, the main single off of it, but uh, The Curse, interesting two and a half minute ballad. I wouldn't put it past me. Uh, These Arms was another one. Only got as high as number 57, but to me, that's a crime against country radio and Dwight Yoakam. Trying meekly to desist my struggle with the truth Unable to resist what tears still make us view That's okay, only want you more. The title track, Traveler's Lantern, and I like the closing track. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. That basically sounded like any character he had played in most of those movies, in most of the movies that he had been in, if, if, I, if I may uh, be honest. But otherwise, it, it is a decent album. I really think uh, it should have gotten a fair shake, though. I mean, it was nowhere near the caliber of his early work. But I always had a soft spot for not just the radio singles but the album in general should have been a bigger hit he would have one more top 20 single after this and that would be off a of greatest hits album you know the one the uh cover of queen's crazy little thing called love yeah that would be his last top 20 single and then radio just kind of stopped caring about particular artists like Dwight Yoakam, Randy Travis. At this, at that point, the only artists that were really getting played to death on country radio were the obvious ones: George Strait, Reba McIntyre, Alan Jackson. Garth Brooks had already retired for the second or third time, or whatever that hell number it was. Uh, and then they were making way for new artists at the time. The Dixie Chicks were starting to pick up steam at around that time. 
Uh, Keith Urban was slowly uh, coming into the picture. So it was pretty much out with the old, in with the new, as is usually the case for most music formats. But country radio seemed to really... They seem to want to get the new Dwight Yoakam when the old one was doing just fine. Country Radio just wanted something different. And for that, shame on you. A Long Way Home is a damn good album. Not, not his best, but a good album nevertheless. I really liked it. And if you've never listened to it, when you finish what, uh, finish listening to this podcast, do give it a, do give it a listen. You can thank me later. But we'll just keep on moving. Number seven from 1990. This is going to be a controversial selection because this this one and uh, or Buenos Noches from a Lonely Room, most people consider that Dwight Yoakam's best album. I can't really disagree with that, but you'll find out why I have If There Was A Way. There were so many good songs on here. It was really hard to rank this the way I did and a lot of good tracks on here turn it on turn it up turn me loose was a top 20 single nothing's changed here send a message to my heart the heart that you own so six there there was a total of six singles released off of this it came out it was released on Halloween week of 1990 and one of the songs that I really liked was a song that he co that Yoakam co-wrote with one of the greatest wordsmiths in country music, Roger Miller. You know, King of the Road, Dang Me, Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd. Well, the song that Yoakam co-wrote with Mr. Miller, It Only Hurts When I Cry, which managed to go all the way up to number seven. The only time I feel the pain is in the sunshine of the rain. As was the case for most of Dwight Yoakam's albums, Pete Anderson was the producer. He would be Yoakam's right-hand man for most of his career. And there's only been a few occasions where Yoakam was the producer or he went a different route. But Pete Anderson was usually the man who would produce Yoakam's career from the very beginning. It is a damn good album. And so many other good songs on here that weren't released as singles that I thought were, were good. Uh, I Don't Need None, which is almost five minutes long. There were a couple of tracks that were removed from the cassette version that uh, was also a crime. Remember when you could... When uh, you had the option of CD and cassette, and then you find out that the CD was the better buy because you got a couple of what was considered bonus tracks since some songs weren't included on cassettes. Well, the two tracks that were removed from the cassette version, for whatever reason other than length of cassette, I don't know, but Dangerous Man and a cover of the Wilbert Harrison classic, Let's Work Together. Just a solid, this was the epitome of, country music in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, since I started drinking again, sad, sad music. And let's be honest, Dwight Yoakam, if you wanted to hear a sad, sad song, 
this was definitely uh, Dwight Yoakam was your guy. And I talked about Pete Anderson being the producer for most of his career. On this album, he was playing electric guitar, acoustic guitar, baritone guitar, Tom Brumley on steel guitar, Lenny Castor on percussion. Uh, the drums from Jeff Donovan were really solid. Uh, I did mention, uh, I failed to mention, I should say, Roger Miller also did background vocals for It Only Hurts When I Cry. And send a message to my heart, uh, the duo with Patty Loveless, both of them are Pikeville, Kentucky natives. So there you go. They just kept it in the uh, country music family, if you will. It's just a very good album. And the musicians on here are just top notch when it comes to Nashville, country music and Nashville studios. These guys are the ones you want to have uh, doing the music for your album, for sure, at least around that time. Uh, it only got as high as number seven on the country albums charts, as I said earlier, 96 on the Billboard 200. Uh, one other song that I really enjoyed that managed to be the only top five single off of that album, You're the One. It is definitely a touching Dwight Yoakam ballad, if there ever was one. You're the one, you're the one that made me cry. Whoa. Yeah, it was really hard to, uh, and I realized I, I, I jumped ahead. If there was a way I have as my number seven album, not number six. Number six is definitely coming up. And this was also a tough decision, too, because, my God, if there was any country album that represented 2003 perfectly, no, not the Dreamer by Blake Shelton, not Tim McGraw, shut up. No, I'm talking about Dwight Yoakam's 13th album from 2003. My pick for number six is Population Me. It was released on the Audium record label. And 31 minutes, 51 seconds, spanning over 10 tracks. In a perfect world, this should have had multiple top 10 hits, maybe a couple of those going to number one. But the, the album started off strong with a song that Yoakam didn't even write, The Late Great Golden State. In the late great golden state, it's getting hard to negotiate. When you what's left from a grand fate in the late great golden state. I love it. Just a really good album. No Such Thing, Fair to Midland. Some solid tracks there. The title track, which was the longest song on the album at 442. I, I don't, I mean, I get why it didn't do as well as it should have because, well, Rascal Flats and Toby Keith just had a sh uh, shit ton of singles to uh, put out that radio paid more attention to, I guess. But it's not like it did horribly. I mean, it peaked in the top 100 of the Billboard, the upper half of the Billboard 200, number eight on the country albums charts. It did very well, and it finished 69th 
for the year on the country albums chart. So it's not like it was a complete failure the minute it was released. It was just basically changing the times. More people preferred pop in their country or America. You, you know, you understand. Um, but it definitely has some gems on here that I really felt should have helped propel this album farther into the top. Uh, his take on Trains and Boats and Planes, the Burt Bacharach song. A duet with Willie Nelson, If Teardrops or Diamonds. Uh, that one I felt should have been a top 10 hit, but uh, hey, uh, Willie did a duet with Toby and the rest was history. So, yeah, it's just, it makes me sad that from 95 onward, he, well, let's say for the soundtrack he did, but the music that he had put out from 95 onward, he was really showing that he was worthy of the name veteran and definitely one of the most underrated country artists of all time. In fact, I will go as far as say is some, one of the best country artists of the decade, Dwight Yoakam is definitely up there. And can I just say it's an absolute crime that the closer wasn't a big hit on radio. It spent a couple weeks at number one on CMT's video countdown, but the back of your hand only got as high as number 52. What's up with that? Take a guess where I stand. Pick a number one, two. Take a look back of your hand. Just like you know it, you know me too. I can't really stress this enough. And Pete Anderson, once again, producer, you're going to hear that name quite a bit. You may even want to start taking a drink each time I say Pete Anderson. In fact, if you want to start the podcast in the beginning and I start talking about Pete Anderson, by all means, turn it into a drinking game. Take a drink. Drink responsibly, though, please. I, I can't stress that enough. Do not sue this podcast if you get alcohol poisoning. Just take what I say as a joke. Drink responsibly, but enjoy Dwight Yoakam with all your heart and soul, okay? I should also mention as far as the pete anderson drinking game goes population me would be one of the last albums of dwight yoakam's that pete would produce he would produce two more albums before the partnership dissolved uh it'd be a, the next two would be a greatest hits collection naturally because he had produced all those songs and a collection of covers called Dwight's Used Records. I'm not including that album on the on this list, but I highly recommend you check that one out. I mean, it's really hard to find a bad Dwight Yoakam album. The album I have at number 16 notwithstanding, but there's really not a bad Dwight Yoakam album out there. Trust me on this one. Uh, so I really suggest you uh, do check that out as well, but... At this time, now we're in the top five. And yes, this was the beginning of the 
Yoakum Anderson partnership from 1986. Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc. That is what I have in my number five spot. This would be the debut album from Dwight Yoakum, and the album would celebrate its 20th anniversary being with a deluxe edition and being added to streaming services several years later. This is one of the best damn country albums of the 1980s. It went all the way to number one on the country charts, uh, country albums charts, I should say, uh, and finished fifth for that year. Number 61 on the Billboard 200, it has been considered by many to be one of the all-time great country albums. Even Rolling Stone, when they did their country albums list, guitars, Cadillacs, et cetera, et cetera, was included on the all-time list. This album has definitely stood the test of time. It has aged beautifully. Can't really say that about, about, about most country albums in the 1980s, but Guitars Cadillacs really aged well, and it's still as fresh now than it was as it was when it came out in 1986. Fun fact... Dwight Yoakam is the first country artist to have a country music video played on MTV. I'm serious. No, if you're thinking it was Taylor Swift or Billy Ray Cyrus, you're an idiot. Dwight Yoakam was the first country artist to have a country music video playing on MTV. And it actually did get some pretty heavy rotation. From what I've been, when I, from what I've read about it, so Dwight Yoakam was doing something right even then, in 1986. Oh, by the way, the video that played on MTV, his cover of Johnny Horton's "Honky Tonk Man." Well, I'm a honky tonk man. Ain't a crazy style. Love to give the girls a world to the music of an old goodbye. When my money's all gone, I'm on the telephone Singing, hey, hey, mama, can your daddy come home? Just a solid country album from start to finish. And then there's only, I mean, when it had first came, come out in 1984, it was an EP, and there were only six tracks on here. And But it wasn't until 1986, with a few more ads to it, that it really began to pick up steam. It opened with Honky Tonk Man, It Won't Hurt, South of Cincinnati, Bury Me, which is a duet with uh, Americana singer Maria McKee. And, of course, you gotta talk. can't talk about this album without talking about, or even playing, the title track. Now guitars can music, lonely, lonely streets I call home. Yeah, my guitars can lack Hillbilly music The only thing that keeps me hanging on A few covers, a few Dwight originals. Uh, the only other covers on here, which were decent, I've definitely heard better versions of them, but Ring of Fire and Heartaches by the Number by Harlan Howard. Uh, Miner's Prayer, which is a Yoakum original. Just ten tracks. 
a little over a half hour. If you want, if you really want good country music in the eighties, definitely check out "Storms of Life" and "Always and Forever" by Randy Travis and uh, Dwight Yoakam's "Guitars, Cadillacs, Etc., Etc." Uh, whoever's in New England by Reba McIntyre. And, of course, you can't go wrong with the George Strait album, Oceanfront Property as well. But 1980s for country music, Dwight Yoakam was definitely the go-to as far as that went. It was a changing of the guards because he went from the uh, urban cowboy mentality from the John Travolta movie, and then he went to neo-traditional artists like Dwight Yoakam. Then you get Clint Black and... Alan Jackson, and some guy by the name of Garth Brooks would show up a few years down the road. <laughs> but Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc., is definitely one of the greatest country albums of the 1980s and of all time. So if you've never heard it, I don't know what your problem is, but do get on that. I, I Again, I get Dwight Yoakam's voice as an acquired taste, but it you can't get any more country than that album as far as that time frame is concerned. So I, if you haven't heard it, do check it out. And another album that I suggest you check out, uh, I did say Guitars Cadillacs is one of the best country albums of the 80s. Well, my pick for number four is one of the best country albums, if not the best country album of the 2010s. And oddly enough, he had, of all people, Beck, Hansen as the producer for this album. From 2012, I went with three pairs. That's P-E-A-R-S. And yes, the album cover does show three pairs in black and white on the album cover. So it's a very, it's, it's a, I guess the best way to describe it, it's a stripped bear country album. Or stripped pair. Oh, shut up. <clears throat> anyway. Fantastic album, and wow, I did not expect this to be as good as I thought it was. I mean, I, Dwight Yoakam has always been good. That's not the problem. But three pairs with, you know, I'll be honest, I had stopped listening to country music for a spell because I, I just needed a break from it. It was... Uh, to give provide the stereotype, country music was making me a little sad in 2012, uh, musically and emotionally. So the less I talk about that, the better. But one shining light in country music that around that decade was three pairs. Uh, he did. He definitely had some more co-writers on this. Uh, in the opening track, he co-wrote with. Robert Ritchie, a.k.a. Kid Rock, Take Hold of My Hand. Definitely a very good track. And one of Kid Rock's best, if I do say so myself. I don't say that often, but Take Hold of My Hand is an underrated Kid Rock track. So if he ever decides to cut it himself, you know, I'll definitely give it a listen. And uh, I'm sure it's going to sound every bit as good as Yoakam uh, did with it. Uh, I did. I also liked uh, "Dim Lights, Thick Smoke," which is an old country tune that has taken on so many different uh, versions over the years. But 
Yoakum's has definitely been the uh, quintessential version. One of my favorite tracks, honestly, this is probably the closest. I'm I'm 40 years old, by the way, so the fact that I'm saying this is surprising. This is the closest Dwight Yoakum is probably ever going to get to writing a kid song, and this is probably one of the best kid songs. My hands are in quotes. You can't see it, obviously, but the kid song in question is a song called Waterfall. Take a listen to this. The lyrics oh, just love this. Love the humor here. And if I had a rocket ship, we'd go places really quick. Then have a time to stop and get ice cream. If I had a big giraffe, he'd have to take a real long bath. And that's why waterfalls are really neat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, gotta love it. Uh, Nothing But Love is another good song. A Heart Like Mine, which he did play live at the show that my wife and I had seen. Uh, the title track, yeah, it's probably my least favorite on there, and how often do you say that about a title track? But Three Pairs was probably my least favorite on there, but it's still not a bad song. A Long Way to Go, Rock It All Away. Another song that I really liked, which uh, was uh, at the time an up-and-coming singer-songwriter by the name of Ashley Monroe. And I believe she did backup vocals for the... No, she didn't. Okay, I apologize for that. Uh I mentioned Heart Like Mine earlier. Beck Hansen did uh, the hand claps for that song. So that's a contribution right there uh, in addition to producing. But Ashley Monroe, It's Never All Right, I really felt in a perfect world, in a perfect country radio world, that would have been a hit. I try to As of right now, Ashley Monroe has been diagnosed with a rare form of blood cancer. So, and man, oh man, I really hope she pulls through because she is one of the most underrated songwriters in country music in the last 10 years. And working with Dwight Yoakam, that's definitely something worth having on the older SMA for sure. So hopefully we hopefully she recovers. Hopefully. People take more notice of her because Ashley Monroe is a damn good songwriter and a damn good singer, too. So her and Yoakum working together on this song is just phenomenal. I really love this album. It is, oh, man. If I could go back in time, Three Pairs would have been album of the year. Three Pairs would have had at least five top ten hits on here. Waterfall. I, I think right, I'm pretty sure Radio Disney played it at some point from what I've heard and what I've seen on playlists because, yes, I was one of those nerds that would read Billboard magazine while people my age at the time were reading Sports Illustrated and Playboy. Yeah, I was a nerd. I was a music nerd. I admit it. Uh, but, yeah, three pairs. 
is a basically a stripped down country album and the one two punch of Yoakum and Beck producing this album I really thought gave it an alternative feel as well. Waterfall would have been a hit at any in any format I think, but unfortunately we'll never know because country radio just tends to stick with whatever it is they're playing right now on corporate radio stations. It's depressing. So I'll stop talking about that. And oh my word, we are in the top three folks. We've only, I've only got three albums left to talk about. And for a long time, this was my favorite album of his. And then after listening to his albums, more frequently prepping for this album and believe me i had this all figured out months even a year leading up to this podcast but in the end i have to go with 1995's gone for my pick for number three this took a lot of risks and the title track only going as far as number 51 Again, changing of the guard, but what a shame because that title track slapped. Just a phenomenal album, and I really enjoyed the videos for this for this album, too. They were epic beyond belief. The opening track, Sorry You Asked, on the album, it's 3 minutes and 25 seconds, but the video itself was almost 8 minutes long and featured a comical appearance from the late great character actor Harry Dean Stanton, who would wind up becoming close friends uh, with uh, Dwight. And Harry Dean would show up on the Heart of Stone video, too, which closed the album. So it's a nice little chapter with the great Harry Dean Stanton. And uh, he really had uh, definitely had some work with the Rembrandts, the guys who did the Friends theme. They showed up on a couple of tracks. Near You, Never Hold You. Really thought those would have been great on alternative radio or even country radio. But I talk about he took risks because it didn't sound like your run-of-the-mill country album. Heart of Stone had an orchestra behind it the entire time. And, but Nothing, which was the only top 20 single off the album. And I don't know why, because I really thought that was one of the best country songs that year. But Nothing took, the much like the album itself, took risks because Nothing sounded Nothing like a country song. Nothing but sorrow. Nothing but pain. Nothing but memories whisper your name. This would be the first album of his career not to produce a top 10 country hit, at least. In the United States, looking at chart performance, yeah, didn't even crack the top ten in the on the Canadian country charts. But this would pretty much be the beginning of the end of radio airplay 
for Dwight Yoakam, mainly because changing of the guards at that time, Tim McGraw had a rocket ship up his, well, you know, I'm trying my best not to swear on here, folks. I really am. I really am. So bear with me here. Uh, so, yeah, you, you had uh, Dwight, uh, yeah, with artists like Tim McGraw, Shania Twain, Mindy McCready, uh, John Michael Montgomery. They were basically who country was playing by this point, and Dwight Yoakam was getting pushed aside. And I really wish Gone had gone to the top of the stratosphere because – Man, oh man, this is a really good album and one of the best of the 90s. Uh, Baby, Why Not, One More Night. I, I mentioned Never Hold You being a great song. The whole album, I don't, I honest to God think there is not a single bad track on here. And that's pretty much going to be the case for uh, the top two. And this is another controversial ad a controversial choice because my pick for number two is essentially everyone's favorite Dwight Yoakam album, either that or if there was a way, but my pick for number two from 1988 is Buenas Noches from a Lonely Room. This would be the third album of his career. And this would be the only album to, to produce a number one hit two number one songs in fact so he was definitely doing something right here by his third album so two number one hits uh top five single and i got you the title track got as high as number 46 and it would be a number one country album on billboard it is definitely and even it's even in one of those 1001 albums you need to hear before you die books. They change every couple of years. So I don't know if it's on the most recent one, but the fact that Buenos Noches from a Lonely Room showed up on this, uh, on that, in that book, props. That, I mean, there are some damn good albums on that book, uh, even though it changes every, uh, every couple of years. But yeah, Buenos Noches from a Lonely Room as the 80s were wrapping up. That's definitely one of the best country albums of that decade for sure. And it really came together because there was that Bakersfield sound. Yes, it had a lot to do with the fact of the duet with Buck Owens, Streets of Bakersfield. But let's be honest. Can we all agree that's one of the best damn country songs of all time? Hey, you don't know me, but you don't like me. Say you careless but how many of you that sitting just me Ever walk the streets of Bakersfield Amazing It's just Honestly, country music in the 80s I think, at least as far as mid to late 80s Is horribly underrated because you had some really good performers around that time. I mentioned George Strait. I mentioned Reba. I mentioned uh, Randy Travis, Ricky Van Shelton, Dwight Yoakam is up there, the Judds. That was some solid country back in the day. And I really regret not listening to that kind of music back then. It just made me cringe when I was a kid. But as I got older, I realized that this type of music is not all that bad. And Dwight Yoakam and 
even in mid to late 80s country really begs and deserves your attention a lot more than i mean it sounds so much better than today's country music and boy does no choose from a lonely room i would put that up against a uh luke combs album or an eric church album and yes Dwight Yoakam's early work is still better than anything Morgan Wallen puts out any damn day of the week. Try and get Morgan Wallen or even Eric Church or Luke Combs to do something like I Sang Dixie, his second and final number one hit of his career. The Bible had wrapped of all his rebel pride. I sang Dixie as he died. Just a solid album. I got you one more name. What I don't know. Home of the Blues, which is a Johnny Cash cover. Uh, Floyd County, Send Me the Pillow, Hold On to God, and... Produced by Pete Anderson, you're going to hear that name definitely a couple more times during this podcast, especially with my pick for number one. But you got Flaco Jimenez on accordion uh, for Streets of Bakersfield. And uh, yeah, a little personal story about Streets of Bakersfield when my wife and I saw him in concert. Got the crowd riled up because uh, there's a line where he says he spent his time in California he changed the lyric to I spent my time in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. Or no, he said, I spent my time in Minnesota. And then the crowd went, woo. Dwight's like, you know, it could have been worse. I could have said, I spent my time in Wisconsin. Crowd booed. He goes, yep, see, I told you so. So <laughs> Dwight Yoakam, still a hell of an entertainer. And this is a damn entertaining album from start to finish. Buenos Noches from a Lonely Room is definitely one of the best. And the third time was definitely the charm. And this is usually everyone's pick for Dwight Yoakam's best album, but not me. It comes close. But the one I picked for number one, in all honesty, the reason for it is around that time, I was listening to country music on a regular basis. So the album I have at number one is pretty much part of that uh, conversion, if you will. I do think that this album that I have at number one is not only the magnum opus for country in the 90s, but it is, in my humble opinion, Dwight Yoakam's best work. Cue the music. So, around the time of 1993, I was on my way to 7th grade, and the bus driver would have country music nonstop, heading to school and coming back from school. I was not the biggest fan of the music at the time, but honestly... It was one of those where I just got used to it, and to wake my ass up every morning, I found myself, found myself 
turning my clock radio to a local country station. I was living up in northern Minnesota. And it was around this time that I got to uh, listen to a little more Dwight Yoakam around the time uh, Fast As You was being played and was doing well on radio and on CMT. And I want, I, I didn't like his voice at the time. I did say it's an acquired taste, but it took some getting used to. But honestly, uh, and having CMT on cable helped too. So, uh, and my favorite song is on the album I have at number one. I will talk about that in just a bit. But here we go. My pick for number one, 1993's This Time, the album, uh, the third album of his, I'm sorry, the fifth album of his career and his best-selling album with three million copies sold. And I'll tell you, listening to this album was quite a trip because listening to his discography from beginning to current, I did notice since uh, If There Was A Way in Buenos Noches that Yoakam was branching out into different sounds. He had he was working with a little more soul on this one, a little more rock on here. And it uh, really showed that this was not going to be your ordinary country album, especially when it began with the Lefty Frizzell-tinged doo-wop sound of the opening track, Pocket of a Clown. Inside the pocket of a clown is a sad place to hang around Just watching smiles turn into frowns I'll be honest, that is still my least favorite song on the album, but it definitely has its cute moments for sure, including the video, which has a circus background. But my favorite track on here is the one that immediately follows Pocket of a Clown. It was used in a couple of movies that Yoakam was part of, Red Rock West and a Dennis Hopper movie, Chasers. But despite that, the video the video helped too because that was epic with uh, Yoakam on a train a thousand miles from nowhere. I was ecstatic when he, he still plays that song live to this day. A thousand miles from nowhere without hesitation is my all-time favorite Dwight Yoakam song. I've got bruises on my memory. Much like uh, the albums I have, at least in the top five for this episode, there's really not a bad track on the album. I have a couple of least favorite tunes, but there's far from bad tracks. And this time is definitely the epitome of 90s country for me and definitely the magnum opus of Dwight's career. I have no doubt he's going to keep on uh, nailing with each album he puts out, but... Nothing has come close to this time. Buenos No Chase are even gone as far as I'm concerned. This time always seems to make the cut as far as when I want to listen to Dwight Yoakam. The songs continue on. They're all great. Home for Sale, which incorporates the B3 Hammond organ that he used 
in his previous two albums leading up to this. Uh, the title track is solid. Two Doors Down is probably my second least favorite track on here, but it's good. And we got to go with Ain't That Lonely Yet, the only song on here that Yoakum did not write. This was written by Costas and James House, who I've always felt was an underrated songwriter in country music. That wound up being a huge hit off the album. It even won him a Grammy for Best Male Country Performance. Just, it is a really good album. And if you didn't like Dwight Yoakam before, this time will definitely change your mind. I do remember my mother not being a huge fan of Dwight Yoakam, but she loved Ain't That Lonely Yet and Thousand Miles from Nowhere. So Dwight must have been doing something right here. Uh, King of Fools, Fast As You, as I talked about, which would wind up being his final top 10 hit and final number one music video, at least for a decade and i want to talk about the diamond in or fast as fun fact about fast as you this would also be a top 60 a top 50 hit on the country charts by a female group called runaway june uh i still prefer the original but runaway june did a very good job covering fast as you and i love it from that perspective I, I kind of enjoyed it from that perspective from the uh, the female perspective. Runaway June definitely did a good job on this on that song. So props to them. But now I want to talk about the Diamond in the Rough, the one that most people tend to forget. And this song, and specifically thanks to a very good video, I always felt try not to look so pretty didn't get the credit that it deserved. Try not to look so pretty. Next time that we And of course, I'm going to talk about the video, especially since this album is the one I gravitate towards, thanks to the fact that this was when I started listening to country more. But if you've never seen the video to try not to look so pretty, I suggest you look it up on YouTube if you get a chance. This basically, if this proved anything, Dwight Yoakam is not only a good director, which he did direct the video for this and Pocket of a Clown and pretty much all the videos for uh, the This Time album. But Dwight Yoakam proved that he is also a very good actor. He plays two roles in this video. He plays, oh boy, what is the best way to describe this character? Uh, he plays, uh, I, I want to say a cinephile, but I think it goes deeper and crazier and to a point creepier than this. Um, I can't place the classic movie that Yoakam's character is watching, but from what I see in the video, he is having a conversation with the female lead in the, in the movie. And Dwight Yoakam also plays every pretty much a uh, movie theater manager because he finds him at a drive-in theater and he finds him at a in-house movie theater during this whole during the whole video, letting the psycho Yoakam character know, "Hey, you're a nut job. This is ridiculous. I can't play this movie every time for you." That sort of thing. 
And it, it, it ends with Yoakum, the movie manager, just abruptly shutting off the movie. And Yoakum, the creepy movie fan character, saying, hey, I want two more minutes. She needs to finish this conversation with me. And it ends with manager Yoakum calling the cops on creepy cinephile Yoakum character. Confused? Okay. Uh, fortunately for you, I included the link to the video because I have to say, despite the fact that I love the Thousand Miles to Nowhere song and video, I think the video for Try Not to Look So Pretty is probably my favorite video from all the songs that were released as videos from this time. So I will include the link just because it really showed how goofy a country video can be. And it really showed the... Uh, acting chops that Yoakum possessed who'd have thunk it and he must have hey he must have done something right because he got a he got third billing in a Showtime TV movie Roswell about the UFO landing and he also got the roles in Sling Blade with Billy Bob Thornton who they've been friends with each other ever since he's been friends with Owen Wilson Vince Vaughn so Great singer, great actor. The man obviously can do it all. I looked up, there she stood. I said, she looked so great. I said, you look good. Oh. She took a hand and ran up my side. I said, cowboy, you ready for the wild ride? Come on now, you can take the wild ride. See, can you make it on the wild and that's pretty much my opinion on Yoakum as an actor. Yoakum is a musician I have stressed throughout 16 albums that I've talked about that he is very solid. He is one of the all-time greats in country music. But I always gravitate towards this time. This really showed. This was this was his uh, critical and commercial or commercial peak more than anything because this is 90s country in an in an album of that's totaling 41 minutes and 11 tracks dwight yokum was definitely a force to be reckoned with here and it was unfortunate that country radio had decided to move on from him after this because i still say gone got a bad rap uh the couple of tracks uh, wild ride which i had played a few seconds ago he does do that live still i much prefer the live version of it from his dwight live album it's a wild ride is almost five minutes long on the studio album itself. Yoakum turns it into a seven-minute track on the live version, and Lonesome Roads closes out. And I have to give props to the session musicians, instrumentalists, uh, Pete Anderson on electric guitar, take a drink. And he also produced the album, too, so take another drink there. Chuck Domenico on upright bass, Jeff Donovan doing drums like he had in past Yoakum albums. Jim Haas and Beth Anderson on background vocals. Jim Waterdale doing backup vocals. He's a great songwriter in his own right. Uh, and you got Al Perkins on Dobro, lap steel and pedal steel guitars, respectively. Strings were included on here as well. That was arranged by Paul Buckmaster. So solid musicians for this album as well. And Again, did really well. Number 25 on the Billboard 200, number four on the Country Albums charts. Uh, three top 10 hits off the album. 
and a couple of more top 30 tracks. Try not to look so pretty in Pocket of a Clown. This time is definitely one of the best country albums of all time. And at some point, I'd like to do a favorite albums of the 1990s. And I can assure you that this time is going to make the cut. I, I, uh, I pretty much know where I have it placed. I think it's a fair placement. But if I ever decide to do an episode on my favorite 90s albums, this time is going to make the cut. Just expect that. And it really was a wild ride as far as this time goes. It is one of the most entertaining, best written, best performed country albums of the decade. I would put this up against other top selling country albums that decade, like Not a Moment Too Soon by Tim McGraw, uh, For My Broken Heart by Reba, Kicking It Up by John Michael Montgomery, uh, Some Gave All. Yeah, they may have sold more than Dwight Yoakam's this time. But I think this time is one of the best of the 90s, if not the best. And Dwight Yoakam, honestly, he's, he still sings songs off the album to this very day. So he's clearly proud of that album as well. I'm proud of that album. I'm proud to be a country music fan. And I guess I can also thank Dwight Yoakam for getting me hooked on country at around 1993. I know it wasn't the peak of, of uh, country music at that time, but to me, 93 to 96, country music will always hold a special place in my heart. I love the, the songs back then, and Dwight Yoakam is definitely one of the all-time greats, and so is this time my pick for number one album. And with that said, I say... Farewell, yippee and all that fun stuff. For all worthless me, he's the only friend I ever made. And just like that, another episode of Random Album Rankings is in the books, y'all. But before I say goodbye, let's take one final look from worst to best. Coming in at number 16, I have the soundtrack to Dwight Yoakam's movie South of Heaven, West of Hell from 2001, followed by Under the Covers at number 15, his most recent release, Swimming Pools Movie Stars from 2016 at number 14, Tomorrow Sounds Today at number 13, Dwight Sings Buck at number 12, Blame the Vein at number 11, and in my top 10, I have Secondhand Heart at number 10, Hillbilly Deluxe at number 9, A Long Way Home at number 8, followed by at number 7 with If There Was a Way, Population Me at number 6, his debut album from 1986, Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc., at number 5, Three Pairs at number 4, Gone at number 3, Buenas Noches from a Lonely Room at number two, and my pick for number one from 1993 this time. And that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Thank you so much for joining me. If you listen to this podcast on Google Cast and iTunes, please leave a review, leave comments. I will be reading them. Mark my words. And if you listen to this on Anchor, 
and you feel like leaving a message, go to anchor.fm slash random dash album to leave a message. I will play it on a future episode. And if you're feeling up to it, you can even donate a little bit of money because listener support is what keeps this podcast running. And you can donate as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. To learn more, go to anchor.fm slash random dash album, click on the support button to learn more about how you can donate or even leave a message. We've only got one more episode next week before the season finale. And be sure you tune in next week when I count down the albums of the monkeys. So I hope you tune in for that one. And until next week, I'm BC saying the world is your oyster. So whatever you do, Get out there and go shuck it. Goodbye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.